Welcome to Archie and Me, an Archie Comics podcast. I'm Brandon. And I'm Josh. Thanks for joining me here at Pops today, Brandon. I'm so happy to be here today. Today we're talking all about Vampironica, starting with her very first series and then talking about her crossover with Jughead the Hunger. Then we'll wrap up the episode by chatting about the story Veronica New Blood. As always, check the show notes to see all the folks who worked on these comics. And I get to read the back of the book today. Ooh. When Veronica is bitten by a centuries-old vampire, her thirst for blood threatens to turn Riverdale into a haven for the undead. Will she put an end to the vampire threat or give in to her bloodlust? Archie Horror's latest series paints Riverdale Red in the vampiric first collection, written by siblings Greg and Meg Smallwood, with art from Greg Smallwood and Greg Scott. Can we just jump in and talk about how amazing Greg Smallwood's art is? Oh, definitely. And I know that you and I are both big fans of Greg Smallwood, and this is one of my favorite works he's done. Yeah, I, I just love at the opening of Vampironica, we, got, we get a flash forward to Cheryl Blossom's party. And you have that wonderful image of Vampironica coming out of the pool with the blood. Yes. Uh, and the colors are so great, too. I want to see him do more Archie stuff, because I think his style lends itself really, really well to this universe. Yeah, and him and Meg did such a good job of capturing Veronica, I felt like, and the other characters. Definitely, yeah. And he's, he's got these great, you know, dark, spooky pages, but he's also got sort of really light and bright pages, like showing the cheerleaders at the football uh, game and things like that. And it's just, it's a great range of, of expression that he's got. Yeah, and I'll just add on that the last few issues, there's pencils by Greg Scott and... His art is just a great continuation of Greg Smallwood. He did such a good job of continuing the series and making the visuals consistent. Yeah, it can be really hard to have a story like this with multiple illustrators. And you know, and you want them to kind of have their own style, but also have some continuity. And these two folks just totally nail that. And it just feels totally the same, but there's still so much there that's coming through with the individual artists. Yeah, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and say it. I think this is a great example of what a mini series should be. Like, sure, it can continue on, and it did, but you could just read this, and you have a satisfied story, um, and you you feel like the characters have gone somewhere and grown and changed over the story. For sure, and it, you know, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, like you said, there's there's room to expand the universe, and they did, but. It also wraps it up nicely with a with a bow, and there's a you know triumphalism at the end, and it works as a really great examination of Veronica as a character. Even though it's this Elseworlds story, you can really tell that the creative team understands this character. And there's a lot of exploration and development of her and how she sees Archie, how she sees Betty, and all that comes through in the book. Because even when she becomes a vampire, she doesn't lose her Veronica ness. You know, she no. doesn't. Lose her personality. No, and, and, you know, right away, you know, in addition to all the plot stuff of 
a a vampire doing some vampire things and, and <laughs> yes and her, and that her plot having, stuff yes and her having to to take down the the alpha you know in addition to all that stuff it also sets up pretty quickly that you know there's this tension between her and Betty and Archie where Archie and Betty are very close and there's some jealousy there and some insecurities on Veronica's side and not only does it show her wrestling with it but it also shows the villains of the book kind of using those insecurities against her. Yeah. I love how, you know, Archie and Betty already have plans for like a date sort of night. And Veronica's like, well, Reggie, now we have plans. And (laughs) he sends her all these texts that he's like, so pumped about their date. And all she is, you can just see her have like little thought bubbles of Betty and Archie and like her heart breaking. (laughs) Uh, Poor, like poor Reggie question mark. (laughs) And this in this story, yeah, for sure. There's this wonderful piece of art when after Veronica gets bitten, because she goes to her house, she finds her parents mm-hmm. seemingly dead on the floor. Right. And there's this gruesome looking vampire who bites her. Yep. You know, Reggie's on the way over for the date in his jag that he's texted <laughs> Veronica about. And she has escaped from this evil vampire. She stabs him mm-hmm. and runs away. And she gets in her car. And she actually hits Reggie with the car. Because doesn't the vampire guy show up? Yeah, she's, I, she's hightailing it out of there. And she crashes into Reggie, who's coming to pick her up. And Vampironica is at that point. She's turning. And so she stares. So she runs into the woods and leaves Reggie you know, in his car. And that's when the evil vampire dude goes up to Reggie's uh, window and is like, you know, hey, you use a hand. There's such a cool sound effect and piece of design when the car crash happens where the wham is drawn out and you see the panel inside the sound effect. Such a cool art choice that shows so much and gives us so much action. If Veronica needs some help and Brandon, where do you think she would run to? Well, she goes to Archie. She mm-hmm. goes to his house to ask for some help, but she sees him and Betty on a date sitting on the couch through the window. And and she's kind of commenting on, like, Betty is, is not a chill night. She's like, Betty has plans. She's trying to make a move. <laughs> yeah. It makes me wonder, like, how much conversation Betty and Veronica have behind the scenes about, you know, what their intentions with Archie or, like, what their plans are, you know? That's a good question. Maybe just to have a mediator to sit down with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, all right, we're not, neither of us are going to date him. Question mark. Mm, that, that could be the plan. I don't think it's the Maybe plan. some game theory. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you, again, like you said earlier, you kind of see some of her insecurities when she's watching through the window and seeing them on mm. their date. Cause she wants to be on the date. Yeah. And now she's a vampire and she's like, what I'm going to do. And she ends up going and sleeping at the school. Yeah. And something fun happens at the school, which obviously we'll talk about. But before we get to that, I just want to say that even though the story really examines, you know, her, I guess you could say jealousy, it doesn't reduce her character to that. Oh, no, no you know, She's not just, oh, this character, you know, her defining trait is that she wants to be with this boy. And it does a really good job of making that just part of her and the feelings that she has in that situation are, come from a more complex and holistic personality. Yeah, I feel like she's very, as her vampire character and herself, when she's having to deal with this whole vampire nonsense, she's very decisive about Mm -hmm. things. And she's like, I'll go fight that guy. I'll go find out what's going on. Yeah. 
She's a great character in this. Really, really well done. So who finds her at the school, Brandon? So Dilton comes in. Yes, Dilton. I'm a Dilton fan now. Oh, he's getting so much uh, page time in all of these horror books. I love it. And he gets some great like action moments in this, too. Yeah. Well, he's he's like the monster expert. And so he has to help Veronica understand vampires and how to kill them and what's happening. Yeah, you like she passes out and you have that. I guess it's like a dream sequence mm. where you see Archie, Betty and Jughead's heads on like a platter. That was so creepy. Like she's shopping in a store and uh, and then she comes across those severed heads. Is it a platter? Plat sure. <laughs> <laughs> when you display things, it, it, those things come flat. It's like a it's like a head charcuterie board. Yeah. <laughs> so she ends up at Dilton's house, mm-hmm. and Dilton's mom's like, "Oh, a new friend." <laughs> and of course, he has all this vampire knowledge that he's been waiting to use. Oh, he's uh, he's he's so happy. He's in his element. Well, at the, at the end of this issue, you find out that Reggie was turned into a vampire. Yeah. And he's just been killing people left and right. Yeah, it's getting dark. People are dying. and He's still able to play his football game, though. Yes, yeah. Maybe even a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, he's like, bite. why is everyone passing out on the field? <laughs> he just bites just a little. He bites him just a little. <laughs> like nibble on the quarterback. People are turning left and right. Her parents have been turned to vampires as well. Oh, no. Mr. Lodge. <laughs> a lot of Lodge in these series, too. He's He's given a lot to do. And so we find out that Veronica has to basically take out the alpha vampire. There's always an alpha vampire. There's always an alpha vampire. And that will put an end to this. That will finally uh, end his reign of terror. And what better place to have a confrontation than Cheryl Blossom's pool party? (laughs) What a great scene. I mean, obviously, we get a picture of it at the very beginning in that flash forward. The pool party is a very cool setting because the Veronica's team of you know vampire fighters comes with those water guns, those like giant water guns full of holy water, full of holy water, and they've come with a plan. And at one point, they start pouring holy water into the pool. Love it. And then uh, push. Not only do they you know squirt these vampires with their with their water guns of holy water, they also push the vampires into the pool. Veronica tackles them. Tackles them. It is just a, it's a really fun action scene. The pool with holy water in it is great. I love it. And of course, Jughead's hanging out in the kitchen. He's eating like, a, I think it's a sandwich with garlic <laughs> on it or something. And he, there's a wonderful scene where he burps into that vampire's face. <laughs> and then he like shoves it in his face and his face is all burnt up and stuff. <laughs> so before we get too far, I do have to mention uh, Moose has been turned into a vampire. Poor Moose has been a vampire, a werewolf, a Franken-moose. He's been everything. So I have a nickname for the Moose Vampire. I want to hear it. Okay, I don't know if you're ready. I'm sitting down. Moose Feratu. <laughs> approve? Oh, that's great. I love it. But do you approve? I, oh, I definitely approve. I fr- that's all I need in life is your <laughs> approval. I'm going to need a Photoshop of that. So we're building up this confrontation at Cheryl Blossom's party, which I'm sure is going to be the talk of the town after this. <laughs> Can you imagine the gossip pages? Oh, I'm ready for them. And they have that big, evil, climactic back and forth, like, I'm so evil and you can't stop my plans because I've been planning them forever. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens is Dilton has been filling up that pool with holy water and Veronica just pushes him in. Yep. She just pushes that guy in and you just see his like melted skin off and bones. But guess what? 
She's still a vampire. Yeah, it, he must not have been the Alpha Alpha. <laughs> the Alpha of the Alphas. The Alphas of the Alphas. Veronica has this memory of being at her house, and they saw this earlier, but we hadn't mentioned it yet. She sees a symbol. It's like the eye of the dragon or something. Mm, mm. Or wait, maybe that's a Stephen King book. <laughs> that's a Stephen King book, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the Order of the Dragon, Order of the dragon. actually. So she's like, maybe the vampire's there, the alpha one. Mm-hmm. And that sets up the now final, final confrontation with... Uh, the alpha. <laughs> alpha. With the alpha. <laughs> but it's not, just this, it's not just a dude. It's something much creepier. Oh, yeah, the last pages of this is a giant spider. <laughs> so horrifically drawn. Looks great. Spiders as villains. Underrated, I think. So you think there should be a big comeback of spiders as villains? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, a big nasty spider at the climax of a story. Just uh, it ups the ante, I think. I don't have anything to back this up, but I'm going to say Charlotte from Charlotte's Web is a villain. <laughs> Anti-hero, at least, right? Just wait to see my Medium article about it. <laughs> it reminds me of that Kevin Smith story he tells about writing the Superman script. And the Warner Brothers producer demands that he puts a giant spider in the climax. You gotta have one. You gotta have it. Wild Wild West. So, Veronica goes to face the Alpha Alpha Alpha. <laughs> and she kind of starts seeing things, right? Yeah. It gets pretty nightmarish. She's seeing her own insecurities come to life. She has to decipher what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. And the spider itself turns out to be part of these nightmares visions. And finally, she comes across this coffin, sort of in the basement, I guess, of the house. And where she... the eye of the dragon is. The <laughs> Stephen the King eye of the dragon. The catacombs. Uh, and she opens up the top, and it's her laying in the coffin, dead. And she realizes that it's a vision, that it's not real, because, and I quote, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that. <laughs> and she, yeah, and like, you know, what what a big move to be like, I will stab myself. Yes. I'll stake myself. She shoves the uh, the wooden stake through what looks like her, but it's actually, you know, the, the dead uh, alpha, 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 alpha. Or up to four alphas now. Yeah. Um, ending the rain, ending the terror, everybody... Wakes up from being a vampire. and As you do. As you do. And she says uh, that she wants to celebrate with a chocolate milkshake. Ooh, I want one right now. So next we have the Jughead the Hunger versus Vampironica crossover event. Is it versus? Well, it says versus on the cover, but it's the story is definitely not versus. It's, um, they're working together. It's a team up. It's a team up. But you got to say versus for the, you know, for the marketing. I love it. Exactly. All right, that's the trope, right? Is that they have to maybe be versus for the first five seconds and then team up? <laughs> yeah, always, always. So the story of this book is that Veronica in the Vampironica book series, universe, reality, whatever we want to call it, is transported from her own reality into the reality of Jughead the Hunger. And this happens because the character Jinx, if you remember her, if you ever read her in the Archie universe, she's getting up to some satanic mischief. Uh-oh. She she's, should hang out Sabrina. She, well, it's funny you say that because Sabrina pops up as well in this book. And uh, because of some uh, reading out of a book she shouldn't be reading from, doing some incantations she shouldn't be doing, uh, Veronica is brought into this reality along with some other vampires. And this causes some shenanigans. 
Yeah, so I love this mix of the worlds, but it does get it sort of complicated as like, who's a vampire, who's a werewolf, who's not, you know, in which universe? I mean, Moose, come on, what is he at this point? (laughs) There's a lot of characters in this crossover, for sure. I need a Jonathan Hickman whiteboard to write all this down. Yeah, it gets sort of complicated, but you can have so much fun mixing the worlds together. Yeah, and the characters themselves, you know, obviously they have no idea what in the world is going on until they hear a voice from a puddle. And that's where they see Sabrina, the teenage witch. And she's the one that tells them what's going on and how they can maybe send everybody back where they should be. And now they're teaming up. <laughs> they're, now they're teaming, teaming up. up now. Also, I want, to, I want to put a pin in here and talk about the fact that Sabrina confirms the Archieverse. Yes, exactly. There's like two pages or so great art spreads where it shows all the different universes of Archie. Obviously, we've got the Vampironica and the Jugged Hunger, but it also shows some classic stories. It shows the uh, Archie 1941 Mark Wade miniseries, just showing all these different incarnations of Archie and these characters, confirming that we need to have an Into the Multiverse style Archie comic, I think. The art is so well done on those pages. It's just like a feast for the eyes. Yes. I want to see a book where like 10 different Archies have to team up, like a, like a Spider-Verse thing. It's revealed, and I think it's done well, that in this werewolf Jughead the Hunger universe, that vampires were wiped out, right? Yes, yes. Due to the centuries-long war between the vampires and the werewolves. And that's, is it the reverse in Vampironica? It is the reverse in Vampironica. Werewolves were wiped out. And I love, there's, there's a lot of lore and a lot of history in this book, which is some of my favorite parts of this crossover. But the one little tidbit I loved is that this, this crossover reveals that the French and Indian War uh, that happened in North America was secretly a vampire versus werewolf war. <laughs> and the French and Indian aspect of it was sort of the cover up. It's a, it melds in these real historical events with this war, with the world of Archie. It just gets nuts, and I, I loved it. There's always a cover-up. There's always a cover-up. And that, that, that spread, too, was great, where it's just showing, like, the, the French and Indian War, but with vampires and, and werewolves on each side. That was great. Yeah, while we're talking about the art, I want to mention that the art was done by Pat and Tim Kennedy, and some issues were done by Joe Isma. And the story is by the same writer as Jughead the Hunger, Frank Deary. Love his stuff. He did a great job with Jughead the Hunger. Did a great job with this. He's he's great uh, writer for Archie Horror. I hope they they keep going with these Archie Horror books. Yes, most definitely. So these characters are thrust together, which of course means that this centuries-old war gets kicked up again. It starts again. And they find out that there may be a way to send everybody back. And it is by finding the Book of Lucifer, right? Yeah, you're always looking for that. Everybody needs a copy on their bookshelf, I think. So come to find out that the Book of Lucifer is buried alongside the corpse, the tomb of the very first vampire in the New World, Sir Francis Lodge. (gasps) It's the ancestor of Veronica Lodge. Oh my gosh. This vampire thing's been going on for a while in their family. Definitely, definitely. There's but a lot she of comes history. to find out, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of history in this family. Um, also, Betty's extended family and her cousins, the monster hunters from you know from Jughead the Hunger that we talked about, 
they make an appearance in this crossover. They're helping out as well. They're ready to fight some vampires. They're ready to fight. And the plan is that they have to get to this tomb of Sir Francis Lodge. They have to find the book of Lucifer. And they have to read from it. Veronica has to read from it. And turns out that this book, this tomb, is actually under Riverdale High. Where else would it be? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe under Pops. It's yeah, either Pops or in Ohio. It had to be in one of those two places. Hey but- Pops, you got any mystical books around here? <laughs> so towards the end of the story, you know, Veronica saves the day. Love it. Yeah. Love it for her. Vamp Veronica for the win. And somehow Jughead is like, everyone's crushing on Jughead in this book. <laughs> and because the worlds are about to change, Veronica's like, I'll kiss him. What you know, what the heck? And then Betty is also like, I'll kiss him. <laughs> I wrote in my notes as I was reading this that uh, poor Archie did not get a kiss. So the the book is read, and Veronica and the vampires are sent back to their reality. But there is a big cliffhanger that this ends on. And that is that for some reason, in this sort of resolution of the story, Jughead... Betty and Archie from, you know, the world of Jughead the Hunger, the world of this book, they go missing when this happens, which leads me to believe, are they stuck in the multiverse? What happened there? Until this day, we still don't know what's going on with them. We still don't know. Because we need some new issues. Archie, please. It's longer than you think, Dad. It's longer than you think. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Reference. So the end of the story is actually continued on in the series Vampironica New Blood. Which is kind of interesting because the first volume, Vampironica, was its own self-contained sort of thing. And this is not just continuing Vampironica, but also things that happen in Jughead the Hunger, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This uh, story was by Frank Thierry and Michael Morisi, with art by Audrey Mock and Joe Isma, who seems to be like, uh, you know, he's doing some work over there. Yeah, he he did some issues for Jughead the Hunger and did a great job. But this series, uh, Vampironica New Blood, is much shorter than everything else we talked about. It's only four issues. Um, So there's not a huge amount of story there, but it does something I I do love, which is that it goes into the history of Sir Francis Lodge, who we obviously met in the uh, versus Jughead the Hunger Vampironica crossover series that we just talked about. And we know from that that he was the first vampire in the New World. And so we get to see that story of him coming to the New World, of him getting up to evil, uh, dastardly, vampiric things. <laughs> vampiric. I don't hear that that often. <laughs> and and we also get another picture into the French and Indian War. And we get sort of just a little bit more detail, a little bit more spice around that ancient uh, werewolves versus vampire story, especially as it is in the in North America. I do have to say, I'm not sure how I feel about my boy Kevin being a vampire. Mm. I I don't have any reason for <laughs> like nothing to back it up, but I just want him to see him doing. I guess he's not an unhappy vampire. No, and and I like that. I I like that he's a big part of this book. Um, you know, as far as the plot that's happening, you know, in the main story, rather than just the flashbacks, you know, him and his relationship to this character named Fangs, who appears, that's kind of a big part of the plot. And I like that Kevin's getting page time in this. We haven't really seen Kevin a lot in any of the Archie horror books that we've read so far. 
like he shows up a little bit in Afterlife with Archie, mm-hmm. and as we mentioned, it's I hope we get more of his story. Yeah. So I think he's such an interesting character and can be used well when he's used. <laughs> yeah. And it explores a little bit of, of him and it, it kind of the book, you know, it's only four issues, but it does kind of dip into a little bit of kind of the experience of hiding a secret being a vampire and also how that can relate to maybe Kevin's experiences of hiding, of hiding his identity as a gay man. And it kind of plays with that idea a little bit and, and kind of explores his character a little bit more, um, which like I, I did like that. I did like that, um, that he was used in the story in a way that I thought served the story and served some of the themes of the story. More Kevin. Always more Kevin. There is a great thing with, uh, what's his name? Francis Lodge. Mm-hmm. That part where he fights that shark. <laughs> that was great. Uh, you see, he sucks the blood of a shark and it's like shriveled up. Because I guess, you know, they don't have bone. It's just cartilage, right? Yeah. Well, he. the story is that he was a, a pirate captain, right? And he was mutinied because he had a, uh, what should I say? A... Um, a habit maybe mm-hmm. of instructing his crew to keep the, you know, keep the bodies of the people that they uh, come in contact with and, and plunder so that he could, you know, probably assumably suck their blood. Presumably. Presumably, you know, and innocent until proven guilty. He's and doing very vampiritic things. Vampiritic things. I like that. That is a new word. It's like vampiric, but an extra syllable. So it's better. <laughs> and we do kind of find out Sir Francis He's still around? Yeah, at the very end, that's uh, a big reveal, is that he is immortal. I mean, I guess if you survive being thrown off a pirate ship by, you know, sucking the blood of a shark and swimming to shore, then I guess that you've earned the right to be immortal, maybe? <laughs> I guess so, I guess so. Brandon, you have to explain to me, I got a little confused about which vampires can control... Other vampires, because Veronica is one of those. Yes, yeah, right? she's a, she's an alpha, as, as the story reveals. I think right? there's a different word they use than alpha, but what is it? It's... I can't remember. It's um, alpha, alpha, Sharengi, <laughs> Terengi, Berengi. Okay, we we literally paused the recording to look up what they call these alpha vampires, which is not alpha. No, and apparently I just realized that this entire episode I've been saying alpha when it's apex. And I think there's some other word. I'm, I'm going to find it. I'm going to research. I'm okay. going to find it and send it to you at midnight tonight. All right, please do. I'm used to us texting at midnight anyway. <laughs> yeah, towards the end of the story, Fangs and Veronica end up teaming up. Surprise. Mm-hmm. And also, naming someone Fangs, like, obvious vampire, right? Exactly, yeah. They team up and they decide that they're going to find... Sir Francis Bacon Lodge. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Francis Bacon Lodge. I love it. But there is someone who sacrifices themselves to save Veronica. And it's her. It's her. It's her dad. In a great scene where he sacrifices himself. And Veronica calls him Daddykins, which is so cute. There's a zoom out. Kind of like a movie, a zoom out. And you see her (laughs) laying with her dad. And, you know, he finally, I guess, put his family before himself in this scenario. Yeah, he's got his heroic moment. Um, I feel like a lot of these horror books from Archie Comics give Hiram a good heroic moment. I also want to mention here that this is not from New Blood. This is from Jughead, The Hunger vs. Veronica, but I forgot to mention it. Uh, 
the part where Hiram reveals how much of an allowance Veronica gets. Do you remember this part? <laughs> it's like so wild. Yeah, it's like hundreds <laughs> of thousands. What is she it? Like, she like walks in the room and Hiram's like, oh, did you want to talk about your allowance? It's like, oh, we can raise it an extra hundred grand a week if you want. Oh, my gosh. I just thought that that, what a dad. I just thought that needed to be mentioned right now that that's how much Veronica's allowance is. Woo! So I, I think one thing that we said for all of these Archie Horror series that we talked about is that we want more of all of them right yeah yeah i want more i love it and i'm excited to talk next week about the one shots that have been coming out this month yeah uh next episode we're going to be talking about all the month of mayhem uh number ones that archie comics has been putting out this month there's going to be three of them and one of them is actually a sequel to a one shot that came out last year um so we'll be talking about that that uh issue from last year to make sure that we you know get the full context of the new one um, if anybody wants to read along, we post it on Instagram and, and social media uh, exactly what we're reading. So feel free to check that out. Yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know your feelings about these books. And also, we're going to be looking in the future for what do you think we should read? Yes. If you've got a favorite Archie story, favorite digest, favorite arc that we haven't talked about, send them our way because we love talking Archie. All right, Brandon, here comes Pop with the Bill. And it's it's a little bloody this time. <laughs> What is he doing back there? I mean, and also, my burger was a bit too raw. I guess he's still a vampire. <laughs> we better really get out of here then. Although I think that I think that we should end this with a question, as we always do. And the question for today is: Which of these two universes would you rather live in? The universe of Jughead the Hunger or Vampironica? I'm going to say the world of Vampironica. Mm-hmm. It's a little seems a little less gruesome. I mean, I know there are people. Being killed by vampires, but in Jughead, the hunger, people get torn apart viciously all the time. Yeah, it seems like in Vampironica, the carnage is kept closer to the people involved, whereas in Jughead, the hunger, you know, you could just be walking down the street and get mauled by a werewolf. You're going to see me with a camelback, and you're going to be like, He's really, <laughs> he drinks a lot of water, but it's really to me holy water that I can squirt <laughs> at people. <laughs> If you enjoy the Archie and Me podcast, please leave a rating or review and subscribe wherever you like to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those sites. And uh, I cannot wait to talk with you again, Josh. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm so excited. And we'll see you all later. Bye. I'm no Betty or Veronica, not even Jughead. Don't you call me a Reggie, I'd rather be caught dead. Just two friends who don't Archie and